It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is a Friday edition of the podcast. Happy Friday to everyone out there. Happy weekend eve if you if you uh if we can say that uh we got a wonderful guest on the podcast today someone that i have wanted to have on the podcast for a very long time someone that is a busy man and um hasn't been able to swing it but i am so happy we are finally sitting down and doing this we are going to be joined today by none other than jeff fairley who played on some great teams at rio hondo prep back in the early 90s a CAF champion in football in 1990 was on that great uh, basketball team that went to the state regional uh, finals uh, in 1991. Uh, teammates of guys like Todd Carson, Pete Clark, Dave Joe, John Lee, Bill Lee, uh, all the great names uh, it, uh, from that team, Rick Johnson, Mike Whiteside, John Carrillo, uh, so many great names from that, that class and or a couple of classes, I should say. Uh, Jeff Fairley was an incredible athlete for Rio Hondo prep had, had a great uh, athletic career there after, of course, playing in care youth league. Uh, We're going to talk about his journey, how he found care, his experiences at Rio. And then of course his time, uh, what life is like for him now. He is a proud graduate from the university of Southern California. He is a um, physical therapist, owns his own business or I believe operates his own business, something like that. We will get to all that with him. Uh, he, you can find him on the sidelines, uh, Rio Hondo pro football games, helping with the medical staff. He's a very proud alumnus of Rio and, uh, specifically football. He's a big, uh, USC Trojan fan. Just, uh, you know, I'm going to tell him this on the podcast, but he is one of the reasons, um, I, I showed such an interest in baseball umpiring. I remember when he used to umpire our games as a kid. And when I was in junior high and he always took it seriously and, and did a great job and, um, yeah, he's a big reason I got into officiating was because guys like him and Pete Clark and, uh, Mark Carson and these guys, um, on Saturdays would, would work these games, not getting paid a whole lot. They probably don't even remember doing much of it, but it inspired a guy like me to put on the uniform one day. So, uh, I am just so thrilled to have an opportunity to sit here and have a conversation with, uh, Mr. Jeff Fairley, or is it? Dr. Fairley? I think it might be Dr. Fairley. I have to, I have to check that. I'll double check that with him here when we start this interview. But uh, for those of you affiliated with Real Hondo Prep, Carrie Youth League, I, I think you guys are going to love this. A lot of people have wanted this to happen. And for those that don't know uh, Jeff Fairley, who aren't affiliated with RHP or KYL, th- you'll still enjoy this conversation. It's, a, it's another great person that Rio Hondo Prep has produced uh, in uh, someone who's who, who lives in service to others uh, in, in helping people heal um, with their health and everything. And he's just a guy that I, I think we can all learn, learn from in, in his journey and hearing about, you know, where he grew up and, and kind of all of his experiences and his mentors that he ha- he's had over the years. And, and I think he truly is a, an inspiration to so many of us, uh, you know, young people, old people, just uh, you can, you can get a lot 
from just uh, having a conversation with Jeff Fairley. And I hope you guys enjoy this conversation today. So it is my privilege to finally bring on the Get Home Safe podcast, Mr. Jeff Fairley. Okay, joining me today is another proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep from the class of 1992, long time ago, but uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> there he is, uh, but he's on to the bigger and better things. He is a physical therapist, a, a graduate of U- the University of Southern California, um, does great work with, with people in his, uh, his own business. We'll let him tell you all about that. I've wanted this guy on for a long time. We're finally making it happen. Jeff Fairley, welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast. Matthew, thank you so much, brother. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I appreciate the work you're doing on this podcast, and uh, let's uh, chop it up a little bit. I'm looking forward to it. For sure, for sure. I didn't know we were going to be joined uh, by two guests here. Looks like you got a some type of turtle there in the background. Is that one of the Ninja Turtles? Yeah, something like that. Now that's Dude Man, uh, my youngest boy Isaiah found him and uh, wanted to keep him. At the time, he was about the size of a a quarter. And uh, now he is, uh, he is a big boy. So, wow. No, that's yeah. He, he's a big guy filling up that tank quite well. Uh, well, well, Jeff, it's been a long time, man. I usually see you at, uh, you know, real football games and, sure. you know, I, I don't like to pressure people. I just kind of continually throw it out. Hey, would you like to have a conversation on the podcast? You weren't ignoring me. You're just a busy guy. And I'm so happy we finally get to do this. Yeah, it's great, man. You know, and, and uh, um, I'm happy to be here. And, uh, you know, I look forward to uh, our conversation and maybe a few more down the road. So let's Definitely. do it. Well, how have you uh, had a chance to listen to uh, some of these interviews, conversations, you know, with Ken Drain or, you know, John Lee, Todd Carson, some of some of the guys, you know, really well? Yeah, you know, I, I've heard I've heard some of them. I've heard some bits and pieces of them. And then the fun part, too, is even talking to some of these folks after they've done the podcast and just their reflections on it. And, and um, so, yeah, I've, I've, I've had a chance to dabble with it. Um, you know, like you said, I, um, uh, I I'm somewhat limited in my um, uh, uh, a free podcast listing time, but uh, I have heard I've heard I've heard a few episodes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I mentioned you are a physical therapist and uh, tell, tell the people here on the podcast kind of a little bit more about what you do, uh, your business and, and kind of how, how you offer your services to people. Sure, sure. So um, I, I have a private practice in Claremont, California. It's called the Body Center Physical Therapy and Pilates. We're kind of in the downtown Claremont area. If you're an RHP fan, if you were headed to Webb, instead of going uh, left and going towards the foothills, you'd go right. Uh, kind of back down towards the downtown. We're kind of walking distance from the Claremont Colleges. Um, we're uh, an outpatient uh, physical therapy center. Uh, we kind of focus primarily in uh, neuromusculoskeletal disorders for adolescents and adults. Um, we, uh, we see a wide range of people. Uh, so some of the student athletes from the colleges will come out in. Um, we have a large retirement community within the Claremont area. So we'll get a lot of uh, retirees and we kind of get everything in between. Um, so, uh, you know, really um, our motto is uh, uh, feel good so you can do good. And kind of our goal as physical therapists is to try to help improve people's uh, function uh, relieve and alleviate their symptoms, help them adapt to potential uh, changes that might occur with, um, you know, an injury or a trauma uh, so that, uh, you know, they can go on and do things that are important to them uh, and do them in an effective way, hopefully in a pain-free way or pain-minimized way. 
Um, so that's, that's our clinic. We also do um, Pilates. So uh, we kind of have a wellness side of our, of our office built into it. So we have a lot of clients that have maybe were in physical therapy five or 10 years ago that are still doing uh, regular exercise via Pilates on uh, Pilates Reformer. So we do group classes and, uh, and private lessons as well. Um, you know, Pilates used to be a very niche uh, activity. It's a little bit more mainstream now, but uh, we've been able to find, a, I think, a value price point so that uh, we think, uh, you know, even uh, the average person can get in there and get some Pilates classes and exercise in. So, Wow. So I would say, I mean, most people go to a doctor because, you know, they're sick of some kind. Most people you see um, have maybe uh, some type of injury, maybe through athletics, or maybe just, you know, we all, we all get injured in, in at work or just different things. So you really do a lot of kind of help me if, and if I misspeak, jump in, but you, you know, you're really helping kind of rehab, get people back, right. Or at least, at least improve some of the, their, their, uh, their injuries. Sure. That's the majority of what we do. Uh, we'll see folks that have been uh, either surgically involved or even non-surgically involved. Um, sometimes diagnosis is very clear. Other times it's a little more nebulous. Um, but, you know, largely someone's coming in with some sort of a pain complaint. Um, uh, sometimes that's associated with a sense of weakness or loss of mobility, uh, limited range of motion or flexibility. Um, and the ultimate impact is they can't do something that's enjoyable to them. It could be something that's really on the recreational side, like golf or hiking. It could be something that's a little bit more basic, like getting in and out of bed or, uh, you know, uh, getting in and out of the car, sitting at the office for work. Um, and so we'll work with folks to try to restore as much normalcy of function in, in an ideal world, maybe even better than normal. You know, a lot of us uh, maybe aren't functioning at our potential and, and would like to function at a higher level. Uh, so sometimes it's a springboard to get people uh, back into the fitness or the shape that they want to be in uh, with maybe some better understanding about why previous exercises have resulted in more irritation or injury, right? What things to avoid or what things to do to kind of mitigate that. Um, and then, you know, the whole post-operative side of it too, right? So someone sees a doc and, hey, you've got a rotator cuff tear, you need to have surgery then yeah, we're there to kind of be the eyes and ears and help guide you back to normalcy after procedure. So do, do most of your clients, are they suggested to you by uh, some other medical professional or is this the type of place where you can walk in and be like, hey, my knee hurts or hey, my hip hurts. What can you guys uh, do for me? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Matt. It's kind of, a, it's a lot of both, you know. Um, we, we, we definitely have a lot of referrals from uh community of physicians, but even, you know, broader throughout Southern California. Um, we, uh, we, we get a lot of word of mouth referrals and we've been very fortunate, blessed to uh, kind of get the highest compliment of people referring their family members over to us or their friends. But, but we also do um, service the community as best we can with respect to walk-ins or someone who maybe is unreferred. Um, uh, we certainly, uh, in California now, there is what we call direct access. You can't see a physical therapist without having to first go through uh, uh, having to see a physician. Um, now, the insurance payers and things like that may have different rules about it, but from an from a access point of view, uh, there's, there's definitely access. And we do consultations that we certainly will do for people just to even kind of give them a sense that physical therapy has an opportunity to help them or not. Um, 
But for most people to kind of make substantial changes, it does require some commitment of time, energy, and effort. Um, and usually it's not gonna be something that's gonna be solved in a single visit. Um, there are a lot of things that we can be addressed, a lot of things that can be educated, a, a lot of things that can be done to kind of turn the car around and go start going in the right direction. But usually for most people, it is a little bit of a journey. It does take a little bit of time. And, and that's a part of, uh, you know, we have some things that can uh, help, help make that journey a little bit easier. Um, one of the unique things we have is a, uh, uh, an Alter G treadmill. Uh, it's called Alter G because it can reduce the impact of gravity on you. Uh, so in, in this treadmill system, I can reduce your body weight to 20%. So for me, uh, I'm a little bit heftier. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be at uh, 50 pounds or so uh, on that treadmill. Now look at it, me and Usain Bolt can have a race if I'm only weighing 50 pounds. Uh, so, you know, that treadmill is pretty powerful in a way of uh, kind of changing it both on our performance side with our athletes, but also, you know, if you have arthritic knees or painful hip or painful back, uh, weighing, you know, 50% of your body weight can make a big difference to how that joint feels when you're, when you're moving. Got it. And, and I got to ask, I mean, I, this is just something I'm curious in because so many of us can relate. We've all had a, an agonizing injury. That's just like, whether it was a car accident or we just, we tripped at work and it just, we're not quite, you know, most, most injury, most, they just take time to heal. I mean, but obviously there's ways to improve that. Um, have, how much have you seen over the years, uh, being involved in this, in this business, um, I don't know how to say this exactly, but just the, the improvement, the science, it changes, you know, the, the met, mo, uh, modern med medicine can be marvelous at times. I mean, how, what are some of the biggest changes I guess you've seen in the physical therapy world? Wow. You know, that, that's a, that's a broad question. I, I would say two things, Matt. One is, I, I guess I would say some of it's a little bit of a worldview, you know, um, uh, I, I just believe in my heart of hearts that, um, um, we're created as um, amazing human beings and um, we have built within us, and I think this is very provable by science, um, a system for restoration, a system for self-repair, a system for restoration to normalcy, um, you know, that's very much unlike uh, your car or your blender. Uh, there's no built-in mechanisms to fix itself, um, but the human body is designed to fix itself. So in some regards, Matt, our job is largely to create the best environment for the body to heal. Um, and so, um, you know, I'd love to take a lot more credit, but, you know, the reality is that most of what we're doing in PT is kind of setting people up for success that they're designed to be uh, designed to happen. Now, with respect to the science, I'd say probably the biggest thing that has changed within the world of physical therapy, uh, at least in, the, in my small part of the world, you know, there's physical therapy and rehabilitation is very broad, but uh, we've learned a lot more about what we call pain neuroscience education. Um, maybe the simplest way to say it is that the brain is the ultimate processor. And so where we used to discard external factors we recognize now that somebody's knee pain will be substantially affected by, you know, did they lose a pet or did they lose a job? Are they having relational problems? Um, their pain experience can be highly influenced by lots of other inputs that are going into the brain. And so then as a result of that, um, you can really get, um, 
a wide presentation of symptomatology. And as a therapist, as a physical therapist, you really got to listen. You got to really hear people. You got to really know uh, what it is that uh, is driving them as far as their goals, what they're trying to get out of physical therapy uh, so that you can really meet them where they're at. It's so interesting that it, it there is a very big mental element in recovery and sure. um, in so many aspects of our lives. You know, I, I think of it on the flip side when a guy is injured in say a football game or something, and it's a rather serious injury, but the adrenaline is so high. Your your mind is elsewhere where you're able to not ignore the pain, but just kind of power through it because mentally the adrenaline is just is just cooking. Sure, yeah, you know, and what we. When, when I mentioned that term uh, pain experience, right, what one of the things we've learned is that, you know, uh, there are times where your brain will choose to not um, respond or uh, react to the pain stimulus uh, and will choose to react to something else. Right. So uh, whether that is a um, uh, whether that's uh, the adrenaline of the game or the protection of a child or self-preservation uh, because of a, a unique situation. So, um, you know, and all those factors into um, what someone else's pain experience is like. Yeah, and, and each of us is, uh, does a different threshold of pain. You know, you got sure. your tough guys, you got your other people, not so tough guys. And um, yeah, so here's something, I, I a question I have, like I, I've been around doctors and therapists. How does one expressed because you don't you have to treat something that you're not physically feeling you're getting feedback from someone who's like hey this hurts and this hurts this much how do you then approach what you got to do uh when you're not physically feeling what they're feeling you know what i'm trying to say yeah well you know i i'd like to hope that as a pt i can really serve as a translator that the language that a patient is using to describe uh, the challenges that they're facing, the pain they're experiencing, uh, the difficulties that they're going through, um, that I can hear that and then at the same time, maybe start to assign what would be the pain generators or the impairments that are causing that, right? So I hear that you're describing this lateral pain down your arm and I understand that you've been rubbing it for the last three weeks and it hasn't gotten better. Um, but that sounds a lot more like a rotator cuff tendon injury in the shoulder. And so uh, what you're describing, uh, I'm hearing maybe in translating to maybe what that, that actual source of the problem is. And in some ways, that's the kind of the key that says, well, that maybe I can help you with that by doing certain steps that we think would likely reduce the irritability of the tissues, maybe help to fortify the tissues so that they can be more functional and, and maybe, uh, maybe certain movement patterns that keep aggravating it that you're not aware of. Let's change those activities. So that you, you know, if you will, you know, the old hammering the nail and hitting the thumb, if you keep hitting your thumb over and over again, yeah, your thumb's going to keep hurting. Um, it's not quite always that simple, but, um, Sometimes it is, you know, once you kind of figure out what those aggravating factors are, but you're right. It is, um, it is a challenge to be in somebody or to listen to somebody not having walked a mile in their moccasins to be able to empathize with what their, um, with what their problem is, 
but at the same time, stay in my lane as, you know, you're coming for my expertise to help you get out of this morass. Um, so yeah, I, I, I got to be able to kind of get down there with you, but at the same time, um, you're also asking me to help you get out of it. So <laughs> then I got to be able to, person that says, okay, we'll stop doing this and stop doing that. Start doing this. Yeah, no, it's, it's great stuff. Uh, help me help you uh, translate. <clears throat> I like that. That's, that's interesting. We often think of just uh, language, but sometimes, yeah, translating and, and kind of defining what's going on there. Uh, Jeff, how did you get involved? Uh, what, what was the moment in your life where you're like, I want to, I want to help people uh, heal. Uh, I want to pursue this, uh, this life as a, as a physical therapist. Yeah, it's great. You know, uh, it's funny. I was a playground doctor, you know, I was a kid, uh, not, not because I had any special knowledge. I just decided I was and everyone else went with it. Uh, but you know, when, when the kid fell off the monkey bars, you know, I, I came over and I was the one that decided, yeah, you should run talk to a school nurse. Cause your arm's crooked, uh, or, you know, uh, you know, just gotta, just gotta tough it out. You're okay. Just get up. We're all going to keep playing. You're going to be fine. Um, you know, my grandmother, my mom, they both, uh, wanted me, uh, they wanted me to have a title of doctor. They wanted me to, 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 you know, to be this professional. Um, and you know, it's interesting. I, I, my, my, um, my plan was to be a physical therapist in part because of my experience in high school uh, and junior high. Um, you know, I, I, we had, I had relatively limited access to physicians. We didn't really go often, but my knees were hurting a lot. So finally my mom took me down to uh, what I know now is LA County uh, hospital and the clinic there. And, you know, it was sort of an all day affair because uh, you know, it's kind of a walk-in uh, urgent care kind of clinic situation. At least it was then in the mid eighties. And, um, you know, uh, after waiting and waiting and waiting, eventually we saw a doctor and, and, and they, uh, they looked at my knee and they just said, well, you know, uh, you just shouldn't play football this year. And that was the, that was sort of the answer. Um, and that was hard as a eighth grader. I, I wanted to play football and couldn't do it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I stayed out for the two months or whatever it was and, my knee felt exactly the same as it felt um, the two months before, you know. Um, so I just told my mom I'm playing. And, um, you know, she said, well, okay. Uh, and, um, you know, I kept having knee pain even in the high school. And um, Mr. Johnson, who was our coach at the time, uh, he arranged for me to see a physical therapist. And, of course, they explained to me what was wrong with my knee and what I needed to do and why it was hurting and um, even gave me some treatment stuff to try to help it be better. And, um, you know, I, I kind of just was kind of blown back a little bit by the idea that, man, you know, I, I saw the doctor after waiting for six or seven hours for seven minutes and they told me not to play. That was the solution. And I saw physical therapists and after six or seven minutes, they were doing things to try to help me be able to play and do this. And I thought, man, well, this, I think it's pretty obvious what I want to do. I love sports and, and, and I can help people, you know, get back to doing it. Obviously it wasn't quite that simple later in college. I, I remember on a summer trip, uh, Dr. Doug Walsh, I think he was in residency at the time. And I was explaining to him that, uh, you know, I, I had decided I'm going to go into medicine and, and uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's what I'm going to do. And, he was pretty shrewd and kind of saying, but, you know, Jeff, that 
doesn't sound like your heart's in it. it doesn't sound like that's a passion for you it doesn't sound like that's what you're called to do it sounds like you're kind of doing it out of obligation and um that hit home pretty hard and and um you know some more reflection i kind of went back to what what i knew i did love which was be doing physical therapy and of course you know as 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 you know god would have it um the physical therapy program that uh, i went to um the year before i got in transitioned from a master's program to a doctoral program so i in fact got the doctor title that my grandma and my mom had desired me to get uh, while also getting the, the the activity and degree that i thought that was called and and, and i've loved to do ever since so it, it, i guess it all kind of worked out it is so funny how god works sometimes in he gives you the you know the true desires of your heart as he says but it's sometimes you reach a goal or you hit an accomplishment, not quite the way you envisioned, but it's almost like God said, see, 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 not exactly how you wanted, but in some form or another. And it's just like, okay, the man upstairs has a sense of humor too. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head, you know, and it, these are things that, you know, I guess one of the exciting things about a podcast like this is that, you know, you hope that um, someone else will hear something that will inspire them or will, well, or, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll learn from the mistakes, you know, because I certainly I've been far from perfect and uh, I've, uh, I've induced my own struggles in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, I, I think what you said, God is faithful. He does have a plan for us. And and uh, he's uh, he, he he's sovereign. And, and so, you know, I think uh, there's some solace in that when when things aren't going so well to kind of recognize that, um, you know, there, there is a plan. Sometimes it's beyond our understanding, but there's a plan. No doubt. And, and even though, like Dr. Walsh said there, you know, you doesn't sound like your heart's in it. When you do put your heart fully into something, there's still obstacles. There's got to still be moments where you're like, I know I committed to this, but I, I'm not sure I, I can do this. Uh, you went to the University of uh, Southern California, fight on. Uh, uh, were there moments there when, you know, you, you, you had to seek out maybe maybe some help is emotionally or just like, I don't know if I can do this or, you know, there had to be obstacles along the way. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I would even say just day one, you know, um, I, I loved Rihanna prep it was a great school for me. My graduating class was 15 people. Um, probably 10 of them I'd had been in class with sixth, fifth grade or fourth grade, you know, um to go to a school of 25,000 students and to have 650 people in an 8 a.m biology lecture uh in an auditorium where uh, you know uh nobody knew me from anyone else um you know uh Rihanna Prep I think is sort of a a social network of itself mm. and so um uh, walking into the college scene it's a very different social network um, both, uh, by class, by interest, by race. And so, you know, having not really experienced that in high school, it was definitely an adjustment to, uh, just seeing how the broader culture, uh, interacts. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it was hard, uh, that transition, um, you couple that with, um, coaching Arch Lay and, 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 uh, working and, and, uh, commuting. And it, it was, um, and, and even just, you know, little things, right. Just 
the USC schedule is not the care youth league schedule. It's not three huddle prep schedule, right? Uh, you know, we started in August. We, we, we were, we were, we were done in May. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to figure out fall semester classes and trying to get coaching assignments. And, you know, there's a six week gap in between the two, right? So it's like, well, what classes am I going to take? So I'm available to coach and nobody can tell me. And I'm like, well, I, I guess I got to register because I got to register in March. And, uh, you know, it's, there, there were lots of, um, lots of, you know, uh, challenges during that time, you know, at USC. So uh, why USC? W- were there other options? Would there have been maybe another path for you that may have not easier, but just, uh, you know, closer maybe or, or whatever? Or why did you have your heart set on USC? Well, you know, that's a, you know, that's a, another good question, Matt. And I think, um, you know, at 47 with lots of gray hair, um, you know, maybe the answer would have been different than at 17. Um, at 17, the fact that they wanted me was a pretty big deal. Um, and so um, other schools were willing to take me, but USC wanted. And so um, that was a big pull for me. Um you know, I think had I do it, had I to do it over again, I don't know that I would have changed where I went. I might have changed how I handled the situation. Um, you know, I, I uh, my mom worked really hard, but we didn't have a lot of extra. And, um, you know, debt was a scary thing. I'm still paying for it. But, um, you know, I worked a lot to try to avoid more debt. Um you know, I, I, I wish I would have maybe done some things a little bit differently in that regard. But at the end of the day, you know, um, you, you're, you're going in this journey. You don't always know what's going to be ahead. So sometimes you, you make the best decisions you can at the time. And, um, you know, I, I don't live in regret, but I do, you know, I, I think I do have some things I think about for either my children or for other college age, you know, uh, students. Um, things I didn't think about or things no one told me about at that age. And so, you know, when I have those opportunities, I try to make sure that, um, you know, maybe some of those thoughts and ideas get put out there so that people make a maybe a, a more fully informed decision. Well, I, I just, I, I know that I don't know many USC graduates, uh, a few of my dad's uncles, I think. And, you know, it's very prestigious school. And I just remember, I think I was very good friends with Todd Carson when he taught, oh yeah, Fairley goes to SC. I'm like, what? He actually goes to USC. So many of us are just fans, you know, of the teams and, but to actually go there and, and I've been on the campus a few times. It's just, it's incredible. And, and I know it must've been hard at times, but you gotta be, proud at times your alma mater although the football program has been been a little shady there my friend well we got lincoln so things are going the right direction in that regard you know uh, right uh you know coaching changes take a while to kind of ripple in but he seems like he's uh maybe on the fast track you know you know i think it, it part of that college experience especially at, at some of the larger institutions includes their traditions in sports right whether it's football basketball baseball what have you and so um you know having a having a good team is a nice thing i, I was there when we weren't so good so uh you know that uh, decade-long losing streak to uh, ucla and notre dame was a uh, 
part of my experience at USC. So that was tough, but uh, it was nice that towards that graduate school and then um, when I when I graduated, um, uh, you know, well, we had uh, was a lightning and thunder back with us, and and, and so that uh, that was better. Uh, we had a better team then. <laughs> Carol and the guys. Uh, that was a nice nice era to watch. But uh, yeah, you know the the there is. I have no regrets at, at USC. I, I met some really great people there. Um, uh, got met some great people as an undergrad. Was able to do my graduate studies there. Um, which is a whole different animal, the physical therapy school, and, uh, uh, which kind of has that kind of smaller feel again, uh, like uh, unlike the 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 the, the five hundred person uh, bio class. Um, so yeah, I met some lifelong mentors there who uh, really shaped my my thinking as a physical therapist, not only from just giving me the base information, but also really kind of challenging me to be excellent and to settle for nothing less than being excellent. And in being excellent, uh, that also meant getting inputs from other places. Um, you know, one of, one of my uh, primary mentors uh, demanded that I go to a residency program anywhere other than USC, because I'd already been to USC, I'd already learn the information from that group of individuals and those experts I needed to go somewhere else to to learn more uh, and so I'm ever I'm forever grateful for for those relationships and and those experiences oh it, it's it's awesome to to hear about it I mean a degree from USC is you, you hear that and you're like oh wow you know it's very impressive it doesn't have the same doesn't roll off the tongue as much as hey I got I went to Cal State Fullerton you know so uh, but let me ask you this you know, you know, some people who went to other schools, but, you know, there is these big rivalries, as you mentioned. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts of UCLA and Notre Dame? Do you ever go into USC? Do you, do you hate those schools or is it just like, uh, yeah, they play them and whatever? Well, I, I definitely hate them on Saturdays. There's yeah. no doubt about that. <laughs> and, um, you know, well, there's I usually don't have to worry about them in January. Um because they don't play football in that month, but um, you know, a, during during the fall, I have no love lost for uh, my baby blue friends over at UCLA. Um, you know, but um, of course, uh, as you move into professional ranks, you start to learn about what different schools do really well, right? And I guess maybe when I'm advising some of these younger folks is that. Yes, there's a name and a name prestige, and there's something that there's some value in that. But then there's also what is that you're actually going to study? And and uh, I was fortunate that USC uh, actually has the number one ranked PT program in the country, so I was able to go to a, 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 the top notch program at the time, um, and, and so that was a really great benefit. Um, but you know, if you're doing hotel and restaurant management. Yeah, you, maybe Cal Poly Pomona is your better option, right? Because it's consistently a top five school in the country, uh, usually right behind UNLV in that particular program. So, you know, I, yeah, I think sometimes it is, it does matter what you want to study and, and who's going to teach you uh, where you should go. Mm, well, very, well, very cool. I've heard they're going to, they're going to forgive all student debt here soon. So uh, yeah, sh you should have other options or at least that's what the, uh, some people say out there, but anyway. Well, I can't imagine uh, that would impact inflation Way, but carry oh, on. No, it sounds like a sounds like a great idea 
uh, more free money for everyone. But uh, those are my two cents, whatever. Um, well, well J- Jeff, we talked about kind of your current and, uh, you know, adult, adult life here. Um, what, where for you, or where did you grow up? I should say, I always like asking people, how did you discover this, uh, this place that would change your life forever? 5150 Farna Avenue. Uh, where sure. did you grow up at, and when did you start Care Youth League? Um, so I grew up in South Dory, um, uh, right around the corner from Maxwell School, um, what we like to refer to as below the tracks, and um, which is now not very far, actually, from where the Care Park uh, facility is there in Irwindale, off of Arrow Highway. Um, the, um, I, I joined via a baseball sign-up uh, at Royal Oaks Park. Uh, Mr. John Lee Sr. was our coach. Um, I think there was a flyer that came home in the mail and uh, not in the mail, but rather uh, from the school. Uh, at the time, I was at Light and Life School uh, in Dewarty. And um, we went out to the Royal Oaks Park and uh, Mr. Lee was out there. I want to say Dan Kirby was out there too and um, signed me up. And I got to be Atlantic Pirate. And I got to play back catcher. And so I played back catcher for, uh, for my first season. Um, and, uh, I just really enjoyed it. It was uh, fun. I was an unskilled and raw player, but, um, enjoyed it and was really passionate about it. And, uh, Mr. Lee worked with me and, and, uh, uh, you know, baseball is the first sport. Fortunately, soccer, I played quite a bit of soccer in my neighborhood. Soccer was a big deal. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I scored a few goals in those first few games and Mr. Lee was happy I was on the Pirates there. And, then, uh, you know, from there, it kind of one thing led to another. Uh, it introduced me to the school every hundred prep. Uh, you know, kind of, you know, it's actually right now I'm filling out the applications for my kids. And it was one of those situations where we kind of missed those application deadlines when I was at uh, Light and Life. And uh my mom went to try to enroll me. They're like, well, the class is full. You didn't fill up the application in time. And uh, she's like, ah, well, where are we going to go? And, um, you know, there was room at Rihondo. And so they made the transfer over and, and, and started there in, in elementary school. So, well, oh, that back when Rio used to uh, do elementary school. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Funny. And again, funny how things work out. Like you just, you missed a deadline and needs, you know, looked at other options and uh, there you go. Who are some of your, I think I had on this podcast, I had uh, Rod Bazuzzi, I had Pete Clark. Uh, they talked about, you know, their, their younger days growing up in Duarte. Did you cross paths with those guys ever? Oh man, RB and I were best buds, man. We grew up right down the street from each other. Uh, we used to, you know, uh, man, we used to roll around in shopping carts, racing down the street, and ride our dirt bikes around and, um yeah rb was crazy man and it was fun i mean i was crazy too but he was a little bit more crazy than me um but yeah um we literally grew up four minutes from each other right around the corner um uh john zakula um uh, andy rojo um dave lemons uh jeff strasser um mike whiteside uh Dusty Lane, uh, Jay Winrick, uh, all some old Atlantic guys that were either my class or just above, just below me. Um, we, uh, yeah, those were some good days, good days. You know, um, now, you know, 
the older guys, um, they're older than me, right? So uh, class, I was class of 92. The class of 91 actually was when Rihanna Prep kind of reorganized a little bit. So um, they were two grades above me. Uh, but uh, by the time we ended up at graduation high school, we ended up being one grade apart. So uh, Rick Johnson, Todd Carson, uh, Pete Clark, um, uh, that group, uh, they actually are two grades above me. So in junior high, right, they were eighth grade, I was a sixth grader, right? So those guys were like towering over us. Uh, but fortunately, you know, usually things kind of catch up a little bit in high school. So uh, by the time I was a sophomore, I was able to play with those guys, even though they were a couple years older than me. And back to the childhood, just a little bit, when yeah. you guys are growing up, so many great friends, was it the type of neighborhood? I mean, you guys are playing, playing ball out in the, in the yard, running around with Bazuzzi and the guys until those streetlights came on. Was it that type of uh, old school ways that we used to have? Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to say yes. And mostly yes. So yeah, you know, streetlights come on time to come home, play out in the street, play out the neighborhood. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I will say that the neighborhood was not, um, was imperfect for sure. And there was, um, you know, there's a fair amount of um, undesirable activities going on. And so that was a factor, right? You had to have, kind of have your eyes on the swivel uh, a little bit. Um, so whether it was, um, you know, just uh, guys racing down the street with their low rider cars, bumping the music or, um, you know, guys, doing other things that were even worse um you know you had to be aware of that you had to be aware of where you're going or aware of your surroundings um you know my mom was pretty pretty good in letting me play with my friends but also pretty uh specific in where I could go where I couldn't go and when I could do it um you know um so yeah you know there was definitely that element of you know, play football out in the street with your friends or play soccer, whatever it is. Uh, and there was also an element of be aware of what cars driving down the street. <laughs> yeah. Which, which one for sure. Uh, isn't it interesting, at least I found as I've grown older and uh, you know, Rio Hondo does such a great job of having their students really take part in so many things. I think uh, maybe one of the theories is, Hey, the, the more busy you are, the less trouble you can get into, but that's not just for high school kids. That's when we go into college, that's in our adult years. And, I'm just like, I found that when I'm most bit, yeah, I don't have time to, to make uh, as many mistakes as I make in life when I'm, sure. when I'm more busy. And I think that that is something that uh, I think Rio kind of does with their students. You're going to play an instrument. You're going to play all the sports. You're going to take these AP classes and, and things like that. And, and it does help with your teenage development, I will say, uh, better than maybe other places do. Yeah, you know, I, I do think there's a lot to be said for both giving uh, students opportunity to shine so whether that's in athletics or in the arts uh in the stem programs um uh, academic programs in general uh i think the community service and giving back to the carry fleet uh kids and the coaching is a really a, an important part of uh helping young people develop a sense of empathy and a sense of uh care and concern giving back so I think there are a lot of upsides to that, you know, and, and I do think, um, you know, I do think the, the sense of balance is maybe a little better. Um, I think, um, you know, I think, um, I think the, the, the program is always trying to improve itself, right? And I think when you look back, um, you, you could maybe make the argument that uh, um, 
there wasn't as enough sense of balance uh, for family life. Um, and I think, um, so some of those sort of challenges, I think are being better, better in tune, you know, uh, trying to make sure that families do have some time, just time off. Uh, but I agree with you in general, Matt, that, um, you know, being a little bit more busy has always served me better than having more free time on my hands. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's well said. And, and, you know, you talked about some of your great teammates as we kind of go into the high school years and everything here, some legendary names. I, I, I talked in the intro about your 1990 championship football team, your 1991 basketball team. And I mean, we'll get to some of that, but I want to ask you uh, as far as coaches, leaders, mentors um, during those teenage years, junior high, high school, who were some of the most influential, influential leaders in your life during those years? Wow. You know, that's great. I and mean, there are a lot of them and I don't want to leave anybody out, but um, certainly Mr. John Lee started it in Atlantic, you know, um, and sure. He taught me how to, how to, how to play on the field and, and, and the fundamentals. Right. But he also taught me how to rake the home plate area. And he taught me how to, uh, this is how you put the catcher's equipment away. And this is what I expect out of you. Uh, if you're the catcher that you're going to bring your equipment and you're going to get it out, you're going to take care of it. You're going to put it back and this is how it's going to go. Um, you know, and, and if you're catching, then you're responsible for home plate and it should be perfect after every practice. Um, and you know, those little things, uh, go a long ways and, and kind of giving you a sense of uh, uh, pride of workmanship and just also just, you know, uh, this is my role on the team, right? Um, uh, you know, Mr. Chris Horton was uh, was there in Jir High for sure. And, and um, certainly um, Jir High is a challenging time. Um, you know, he was willing to run around with us. He did this great bike ride from Morro Bay uh, back to uh, back to Los Angeles. That was our summer camp, you know. So we stayed at the beach every night and rode our bikes 40 or 60 miles and then stayed at another beach and, and, and rode all the way home. And, you know, he just um, did a lot of just um, great activities, but also really just challenged us to make some decisions about what we wanted to do with our lives. Um, as I got into high school, you know, Mr. Drain uh, was my leader, um, and it's interesting, uh, you know, he was uh, he was the one who would pick me up, and Mr. Johnson was my coach, and Mr. Johnson would tell me how it is, and um, it was a hard uh, two years as a freshman and sophomore, but I can honestly say, uh, turning that corner as a junior and senior. Um, it became, uh, you know, Mr. Johnson is certainly my coach, no doubt. And, but there was a lot more collaboration. Um, there was, there were definitely times where um, he would say to me, what play do you want to run? Um, uh, which was not, not what was going to happen as a freshman, right? It wasn't until he saw that I had bought in hundred percent to the system and the program. Um, and then it was, you know, it's fourth and two, what do you want to run? Um uh, or, you know, what defense you want to be in, um, you know, and, and that was at the time, you know, you're just, you're just chop, you're just playing the game. But later, you know, you start to look at that. There was a, a transition in that relationship uh, that was built on trust and respect and obedience as well. Um, you know, that um, uh, he knew that I would do my job and he knew that I would um, uh, give him the best input as a coach. Uh, for what was going on on the field. And, uh, you know, I think that was, uh, 
something I look back on and, 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 and really grateful that that's how that relationship went. Um, because man, it was rough that freshman year. (laughs) (laughs) I I think a lot of us can relate, you know, Uh, growing, growing up, growing up uh, for short years and, uh, in so many different ways. Um, we'll talk about basketball in a second, but, uh, Jeff, the real Hondo prep football brand, I think is one of the biggest secrets in Southern California. It's, it's the real, it's a real deal. In my opinion, I've tried hard to promote it. Um, you, you now get to be on the sidelines during real Hondo prep games, assisting, you know, with the medical staff and everything, or, or maybe running it. I'm not sure. Um, but as someone who, who formerly played uh, at real Hondo prep, you won a championship in 1990. And now to see where the program has gone, what are just, what are your thoughts on what does real Hondo prep football mean to you from your experiences and where you've seen it grown? Well, I, I would say in some regards, it is the epitome of family. Um, I remember the 1990 game, of course. Right. But I also remember being a water boy in 1987 and being in that locker room after we had lost. And uh, as a water boy, I, I, I didn't run all those laps. I didn't lift all the weights, but um, I knew those guys. Um, I was at every game. Um, they, uh, I cared about them and they were hurting because they had put it all out there on the field and they had come up short, uh, not because they, did something wrong or anything they just they just didn't win that game and um you know uh many of those same guys were there in 1990 rooting us on at our championship game um and so you know what you want you kind of learn that as i get older right that it is about that camaraderie it is about the the quest it is about um, you know, believing that uh, we are a, 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 on a mission uh, to be successful, but we also believe in a great and good God and that we're on some levels trying to represent what it is to be a godly athlete. And in, in that respect, then, um, you know, we, we hopefully are different in some way. Um, than a, 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 an athlete that's never, never taken the time to think about that um, in the way we conduct ourselves, the way we conduct our, our play, the way we, our attitude about it. Um, and of course, you know, at 16 or 17, you don't quite necessarily have all those things kind of worked out in your mind, but you know that you are trying to hold yourself to a higher standard. And so, um, you know, I think that there's the performance on the field and, and you know, I think the, the, the evolution of, 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 of the, the program from uh, the conditioning and strength conditioning program, the, the medical services that we're able to provide now, uh, the nuances of the offense, you know, everyone wants to all try to look at that playbook and I can't figure it out. Um, you know, the, 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 you know, Mark uh, Carson blitzing every play, um, you know, not every play, I, 
it's my joke with him, but you know, just that pressure defense that we play, um, you know, it, yes, there's all these great elements about the technical side of it. But I think the thing that, that is, that has been there through the generations has been the sense of family. Um, and it was, you know, it's just funny, even just the other day, um, Todd had, uh, organized a basketball game and there was probably guys, um, over a 20 year span that came out to play ball together. Um, and you know, they're all, well, they all wore the cares uniform. Right. And, and, and there was sort of a certain brotherhood of just, you know, uh, come out here, we'll play together. Even though I'm old and fat, I'm not going to guard you really. I'm, I'm, I'm going to foul you. So, so, you know, <laughs> but you're probably going to travel while you're trying to step back and do your Steph Curry thing, whatever. So, you know, go ahead and do all that. And then we'll, 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 we'll take the ball the other way. And I'm going to pound you in the post. And that's the way I play. So, you know, um, you know, the, the, but it was fun that all those guys were there. And so I think, you know, that football, there is this family that comes of it, you know, and, and, and there's ups and downs with family, right? There's, there's times of great success. There's times where things don't go as well as we'd hope. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we, we live together as a family. We support each other as a family. We try to promote each other's success as a family. Well, real Hondo football has been in great hands, you know, uh, since Mr. Johnson, Mike Dowd before that, and, to go from then to Ken, Ken Drain to Mark Carson. I mean, uh, just unbelievable guys who have been at the helm uh, to see Real Hondo Prep football grow and to all the great success it's had. And, you know, the, even the teams that, that don't win titles. I mean, for us alumni, you know, we're, it's just like a small town thing. You're looking in, you go on Facebook, hey, how the boys doing? Um, you know, what, what's it like for you to be on the sideline? You're hoping you're never needed, right, for injuries and such. Uh, but you get a front row seat every week and you don't have to make any coaching decisions. You, you generally don't have, uh, you know, a relative on the team or anything. You just get a front row seat to Real Hondo Prep football. Yeah, it's really exciting. You know, it, um, to me, the, the best part is getting to know those guys, getting to know the young men that are that are on that team uh, and just seeing uh, them give 110 percent for this their goal of success. Um, it, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to try to help them where I can, um, whether it's in injury prevention or injury management. Um, it's really a joy to be there. It's so fun to watch them. Uh, it's also really fun to watch the uh, the, 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 the backups from the underclassmen and you start to see where some of them, you see that fire starting to, to brew, um, you know, they're, they're, they're itching to get out there. Right. Um, and then, you know, you see some that are like, Oh boy, I don't know. Um, you know, and you know, the, their time will come. Right. But you know, you kind of can just see that there. Um, that's really fun. Um, it is also fun to, um, uh, to see the coaches interact, right. To see, um, how they are able to collaborate amongst each other. You know, they have a lot of strong willed coaches, uh, that make up that coaching staff. And, um, you know, I, and I think, um, I think Mark has done a really good job of putting together some, some guys that, um, will have some strong opinions and challenge what he wants to do and how he's going to do it. And, and, you know, ultimately they get onto a consensus and onto the same page, but it is, um, it actually is pretty fun to kind of watch how they, how they battle through certain things in the game, you know, uh, what coverage do we want to be in? What, what play do we want to be in now? Uh, just, you know, it is interesting to kind of watch that process too from the sideline, knowing that I know these guys so well, you know? Yeah. 
Oh, no. And, and I want to mention the medical staff because I've been around a lot of football teams, whether I'm officiating or whatever. And um, I would argue that Real Hondo Prep's medical staff is second to none at the high school level. You got yourself, you have uh, Dr. Walsh who, who, who's there and, and maybe not guys are there every game or maybe they are. You got, uh, I think, uh, Jason Steris, who I believe is is a train is is a doctor or is gonna yeah, he's be in a residency doctor? right now so yeah oh, so, residency yeah. Mm-hmm. you got him um uh randall jo- randy johnson Jun- uh, jr is a certified athletic trainer even though he's busy sure. calling plays i mean uh the real hondo pro football players are in great hands you know i think we've really worked hard to uh try to make sure we got it fully covered you know dr walsh is kind of this just steady pro- uh uh fixture of real hondo football you know he's doing, doing it for 30 years uh, but we've been able to kind of come around and support him as well. And, uh, you know, I, I've been grateful that some of the um, athletic trainers and uh, in, in that have been looking to either volunteer hours, or pick up some hours, um, have been willing to come out and also support our games as well. So uh, we had another uh, a young lady in Destiny that came out last year and it was a great addition there on the sidelines. And so, yeah, you know, we um, we we are trying very much to make sure our athletes really get that optimal experience. We want them to be safe. We want them to be uh, uh, happy and healthy. And, 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 uh, but, you know, football is a contact sport. It's a, uh, I don't want to say violent. I don't know if that's the right term, but it's a contact sport. And, uh, and, and consequently, you know, there are going to be some times where guys get banged up a little bit and we're trying to make sure that, um, you know, even with that, uh, they get all of the, all the upsides of the, that sport. You know, there is a certain gladiator mentality of, of being a football player that, you know, your, your body is going to get beat up a little bit uh, for a bigger or higher purpose, so to speak. And, you know, there's some debates about that. And I know that there's different, different mindsets about whether football is, uh, is it a wise thing to do? But uh, I think we're working really hard to try to make it as safe as possible for our athletes, both um, on the field, on the sidelines, how they're being trained, how they're being taught, um, how it's being reinforced. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. I just, I'm so impressed with the, the level of, uh, of professionalism really in, in that field, uh, the medical side of things. Cause I've been, I've worked uh, football games. You're like, Hey, who's your medical person and you almost have to like find someone out of a stands and reels got all these great people that are uh are there to to make everything safe as you just mentioned uh jeff back to your playing days now i gotta ask because you're on a great 1990 team um uh especially your junior year there when they, when they won the title i mean did you how did you how did you mix in carries man getting some getting some uh touches of the ball when you got you know two great running backs and rick johnson and uh, mike whiteside well, you know, I think one of the great things about that team was that I think really as a team, we were committed to winning as a team. Um, and, uh, you know, I had been running back as a, as a kid growing up, but uh, I was asked to play receiver. And so I worked really hard to be a better receiver. Um, you know, uh, we didn't have a receiver's coach or some of the other things that you have now. So, you know, for us, it was just going out and working. Right. So. I would say Todd and I probably threw 30, 40 minutes every day, uh, maybe with the exception of a Sunday, um, all year long. 
you know, before practice, after practice, we kind of had a routine and uh, we would just pitch and catch, pitch and catch. And I understand we are a running team, right? Dude, we, we, we threw the ball like four times a game, uh, but didn't stop <laughs> us from, from practicing, practicing, practicing. I think as a result, we were in very good sync as a, as a receiver quarterback duo. Um, I, I distinctly remember a game uh, against uh, Templeton. It was a, the first game of that 1990 season. And uh, it, you know, it was a, a fourth and, uh, I don't know, maybe a third and 10, third and 11, fourth and 11, something like that. Um, at the time, we rotated in plays, right? So I was bringing the play in, and uh, Mr. Johnson looked at me and said, what do you want to run? Uh, I told him, well, we, we're going to run a quadruple option left, right? And usually – I, that gives me one-on-one coverage on the offside and then usually you know Todd would look off with safety and then come back across the middle and for whatever reason uh they went to an umbrella and to a double safety look and so I come to my scrimmage and I look at him like well, this place is not gonna work um and uh, you know they they uh they had me bracketed uh with a high and low and and I remember running the route looking back and and Todd's like breaking a tackle and he's throwing the ball as he's being tackled. And uh, I just remember looking back and the defender was between me and the ball. So I really couldn't see the ball after it left his hands. So, you know, all that practice, right. I knew what spot I was supposed to be at and uh, I ran and I was a little bit behind. So I dove and the ball hit me in the hands and I never saw it. And I caught it and we kept on going with the play and, and so if for that play alone, um, I was, I would have said, yes, that was a, that was a career worth having as far as a receiver, you know, because um, <laughs> I did have egg on my face for calling the wrong play, even though they went to a different defense, but yeah, you know, it was, um, uh, you know, I, I, I had a great opportunity to do damage on that team. You know, I, I uh, Mr. Johnson at that time, really did try to give his running backs a little bit of a break on kickoffs and punts and stuff like that. So um, I, I, I returned punts, I returned kickoffs, um, you know, like I said, wide receiver, and then I would back either one of them up. So it was great because, you know, I, I kind of had this, uh, and actually my role with that team, honestly, Matt, to be fair, was a lot of times to be the utility player. So, um, you know, whether, you know, if Mike needed a blow, I went in at tailback. If Rick needed a blow, I went in at fullback. It, you know, my normal receiver position was wide receiver. But the championship game, you know, Dave Joe had hurt, hurt his back. And so I played tight end um, the championship game. Um, uh, baseball, you know, basically whoever's pitching, I played their spot. So if, if Todd was pitching, I played first. <laughs> if Mike was pitching, I played third. If Rick was pitching, I played short. Um, if Gregorio was pitching, I played second. Um and, and not because I was good at any of the positions, but it was just that, you know, I was willing to work hard and, and, and Mr. Johnson knew I'd give 100% no matter where he put me. So that was kind of my job in, in that junior year on that team. Hey, hey, man, a Swiss Army knife. It's not a big tool, but it is a, a tool that can, can, can do a lot of great things. So Swiss Army knife, Jeff Fairley. Uh, that's awesome, man. I've heard, yeah, you were kind of a, you know, a uh, shorter guy like me, but uh, far more talented, kind of like a Maurice Jones drew type of like, <laughs> little bowling ball running the ball. Yeah. You know, it was fun back then. It was different contact era back then. You didn't <laughs> run out of bounds. No. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, 
I had fun doing it, man. Uh, the older yeah. I get, the better I was. So I'll be careful, but it was fun. I, I know, man. That's one of the great things. And I want in this this upcoming year, I'm going to do a a separate podcast that is it is just real Hondo football, like we did this last year. Uh, I'm just excited for the content, for the access from from fans who are, don't live in this state or even this country to be able to to uh, to look back and be like, let's cheer on those guys because that's the uniform I used to wear and. Real Hondo sure. Prep is just so football is so special. Um, we can't talk to you though without talking about uh, your incredible group of guys and the basketball run you guys had. No disrespect to the CIF champions of 2013, but uh, Jeff, you guys play you played on the uh, the greatest Real Hondo Prep basketball team in school history. Well, um, it was a really great run with a bunch of really fun guys and. Um, one of the cool things is that, you know, we had um, we had been kind of a basketball team from, I don't know, sixth or seventh grade. You know, Mr. Drain had coached um, the, the the eighth graders, which is, you know, uh, a lot of those guys that were there. Um, we ran some of the same systems and it was, uh, you know, we go on these summer trips and we play basketball and play, you know, a, a lot, a lot of basketball. And so, um you know, we'd go to parks and play ball and we just knew each other really, really well. And, um, uh, we, uh, it's rare to see a team that had the level of being in sync that we really were. And, um, uh, I, I could see a rebound and I could see where Todd's first step was. And I knew he was going to come underneath and poke the ball out from underneath that guy. That ball is going to the corner and I'm going to the corner because that's where he's going to poke that ball out. Um, you know, uh, I got hit in the ear twice. And from that point forward, I had my hands up because Rick would get me the ball. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, um, he's going to get me the ball. So I just need to keep moving until I get to that open spot uh, and then catch it. Otherwise, it's going to hit you in the ear, and it's going to hurt. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a great run with those guys, um, and um, it was um, it. You know, when you say the best team in history, I don't know, but what I do know is it was um, a really fun experience. We had some unique things, and you know, we ended up going back to uh, Washington D.C. during the Christmas time uh, to do a performance at the White House and. Of course, Mr. Johnson got us a couple of basketball games. And so, you know, we got to play some people out of state. Um, and, uh, and and it was just really fun that season. Um, uh, we ended up getting into the state playoffs and, and, and traveling, um, you know, almost as a school, right? The boys and girls were both in the state playoffs. And so, you know, we, we drove down to San Diego and we played a team down there. We drove up to Central California played a team up there, came back down to play again, you know, and it was just, it was really, it was just an amazing, uh, very memorable and exciting time. Sid, Sidwell friends in uh, yeah. Washington, DC, where, you know, some uh, presidents, uh, kids have gone in, in the past and you guys played them. And is it true that when they announced Todd Carson as the center at five foot 10, that the crowd actually started laughing? They laughed. They uh, they were chanting Hollywood. They were doing all kinds of funny things. Um, yeah, and you know, and at five seven, I jumped center um, uh, for our team, and uh, uh, I won the tip that time too. By the way, so um, <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, did always win. 
<laughs> that time we did. No, yeah, that game, I think we got up, I don't know, maybe 13 nothing before they called their first time out. Um, I think we were up 20 by halftime, and we were not interested in coming off that gas pedal for a little while. I'll just put it that way. How, how much of it was you guys had played together for so long, you knew each other, you knew every movement and, and just had a lot of natural talent. And, and then how much of it, uh, you know, was, was coach drain. I mean, it's his first varsity basketball team, uh, I believe. And just um, his impact with you guys, he kind of knew kind of what your guys skills were. And, and I'm sure he had a lot to do with, with your success as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, he did some things there that I'd never heard of. Right. I remember us, uh, Remember one week he said, "All right, look, here's what we're gonna do," and uh, he goes, "We're gonna line up in a in a one-two-two defense, right? Now, if they pass the ball to the right, we're immediately switching to a, a one-three-one. And they pass the ball to the left, we're immediately switching to a man-to-man. And and you know, I, I forget all the different things that he had on there, right? And, I, and I'm thinking, well, what? Okay. And so, sure enough, you know, we didn't do it a lot, but right, we would do that for maybe two or three minutes, and the teams would blow through three or four timeouts because they couldn't figure out um, what, uh, what we were doing and, and how we were doing. Um, and uh, just little things. I, of course, you know, he was our, our kind of our conditioning coach in football. Right. And so um, you know, we had a long run in football. So I want to say we ended up at like 16 laps in 16 minutes or something like that on Wednesday night, you know, and, and, uh, our, our football game was Saturday and our first basketball game was Tuesday and we did not stop running. And that was, you know, he, his goal. I mean, he, he was pretty honest, right. We were going to be in better shape than anyone else we played. And, uh, and, you know, we would press and play man to man all game long and just, you know, seven people just outwork those other guys. And that was a lot of his influence on us outwork them, outwork them, outwork them. Mm. Yeah. I had a special relationship with Mr. Drain. Uh, he had me at point guard and I was a sophomore the first year and I made some bad decisions and he informed me of some of those decisions and uh, <laughs> helped me to be, make better decisions. And, and it was, it was really enjoyable as a junior to really be able to um, lead the team in the role, which I had as a point guard. I wasn't a team captain, but, you know, there's a certain uh, responsibility the point guard has and getting you in the right offense, getting you in the right defense, making sure that what the coach is communicating is getting distributed to everyone. And guys knew their jobs, but still there was, you know, there is a need for someone on the floor to be responsible to make sure that everyone is where they're supposed to be. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great, great time for me. I also uh, worked for Mr. Drain, so um, I got some special tutoring as well. We could go to our janitor jobs um, to uh, same here. <laughs> special critiques about uh, certain performances and <laughs> questioned about why I could not move my feet and uh, you know what uh, what is wrong with a bounce pass because. Anyway, yeah, that <laughs> learned some things there. That those were those were great times. You know, Mr. Drain is the uh, the epitome of the of, of a I guess I would say the father who's your coach, um, who is uh, gonna call it like it is, but is gonna love you and um, uh, express 
um, that pride in what you are able to accomplish. Um, uh, not because he's going to shower you with hugs and kisses, but you know he's going to tell you, you know, good job, and and that means a ton. So, oh, big time. And yeah, I was a janitor as well with his uh, services. He 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 really helped a lot of us in our younger years, you know, emptying trash cans and making a few dollars. He was always willing to help out guys who wanted to work hard. And he really taught you how to work hard on and off uh, the court. Um, You know, he had a wonderful retirement recently that so many former players Mm -hmm. were at, and it was just the same message from, from, uh, you know, everybody, all kinds of different guys. Uh, Speaking of those guys, Jeff, I mean, real quick, back to your teammates. I always ask this question to, you know, Todd and Dave, Joe and Rick, and, you know, we all know the types of great guys you all turned out to be in, in the service industry and everything, but like, what, what were some of these guys like is as friends, what are they still like as friends? Who's the, I don't know, who's the funniest, who was the hardest worker, who was uh, the most dependable? I know you could probably say all of them, but I don't know. Some of the names we all know, um, just what comes to mind when you think of your teammates that became lifelong friends? Well, I would say, um, and they're each unique and I love them as brothers. Um, you know, Todd is, uh, just, uh, always faithful. Um, uh, he's always, uh, looking for how he can serve. Um, Pete Clark, um, this guy's always energetic, uh, but he, uh, he has a certain sense of thoughtfulness and wisdom that he brings to the table now, in addition to the, the comedy. Um, Rick uh, Johnson is um, uh, stoic and defendable. You know, he's not a guy who's going to get uh, uh, rattled uh, by the environment or the circumstances, uh, but he's going to be dependable uh, and he's going to demand that you uh, be dependable back, you know, and, and, it, and it's, it's actually refreshing to have someone who, uh, is expecting greatness. Uh, he's going to deliver greatness, but he's expecting greatness as well. Um, you know, I, I can think of, um, uh, some of the other guys that were on that team, John Lee, uh, junior, uh, you know, here's a guy who really is just talk about a passionate guy who really just, um, uh, over the years has just directed his passion and his work and his family and his faith and his teaching. Um, Bill Lee, uh, there's not a guy that's more committed, right? Obviously, uh, as a Marine, and I note I didn't say retired Marine because, you know, I know Marines don't retire. Uh, this guy uh, just uh, is just committed uh, and always looking to how do I make something better? How do I improve something? In this case, he had the opportunity to, uh, to, to take over Mount Care. And, and you know, it's just it's such a beautiful fit for him. Um, you know, there is um, uh, Jeff Valdez was another guy who was on that team. Good friend of mine. I mean, you're not going to find a, uh, an individual who is more committed to educating kids than Jeff Valdez. Uh, this guy, uh, we've had arguments over different things in the world of education, but there's never been an argument over his commitment and his desire to help the kids that he has in, in charge of. Um, you know, uh, Mike Whiteside uh, was on that team and Mike pushed me, man. That guy, he, he was someone who was, he was, I don't want to say quite that, um, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, going to push you to see if you'll push back kind of a deal. But there's a little bit of that, that he, he wanted to see if you were going to push back. Were you going to be tough enough? 
And, uh, you know, he's really uh, a great guy. And, and I know he's uh, uh, has his family living up in uh, Northern California. Uh, the guy is a great fisherman, apparently, too. I got to <laughs> get up there and see some of that. But, uh, yeah, you know, um, I'm probably missing some guys that were on that team. That, were, uh, But, you know, uh, Dave Joe, you know, there's a guy who, uh, you know, he has always just been, I think, just faithful to uh, – the, the guys that were on our team and, and, and just uh, this idea that uh, uh, if you work hard and you treat others right, that, uh, you know, good things are going to come to you and they're going to come to your team and the group around you. you know, there's never been a guy that I've seen has worked harder. I remember in graduate school, I crashed at this place for a couple months and um, he was an early riser. So he'd be leaving around 4.30 in the morning. So he'd get work done before everyone came in the office. Well, I happened to be coming home around 4.30 in the morning because I had a second job up in, 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 in Arcadia. So I was working through the night on the computer stuff. And so, we, you know, we kind of worked on different clocks, but we would see each other at four in the morning, you know. And, uh, you know, I just really appreciated him and all that he's done. Um, I can go on and on and, and I'd probably, well, we're running up out of time here on this podcast, at least for me on my schedule, but yeah, yeah these guys are amazing. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a, that's a great, one of the best answers I've heard in regards to that group of guys. Uh, you summed it up well. And before I let you go, Jeff, uh, I just want to tell you something you probably haven't heard before in regards uh, that I've never told you, maybe I have, I don't know. Um, but I have officiated a, a long time. I, I haven't for a couple of years. I've officiated college level, professional level in, in, in baseball. And, uh, you know, I got a little spark way back when uh, I told Pete Clark this, um, but you were actually a person that gave me a little bit of a, of a, of a push at a young age being like, I want to do it like that someday because you officiated a lot of our games when I was in care, you umpired some games in junior high where I was the catcher and I let you get hit by the ball and you stood in there tough and took it. Um, your work ethic as an official was someone you inspired me later on in life to really pursue it and to do it right, to look sharp when you do it. Um, so I want to say thank you for that. I don't think you ever knew that, but um, it all started with you taking pride in, uh, in working our games in care youth league. Wow, you know, that, that means a lot. You know, Matt, here's a funny thing uh, that you say that. <laughs> um, literally at my door right now is a uh, Carolina blue shirt and uh, some gray uh, uh, pants. You know, I, I did a few games for care and basketball, and I figured, well, I'll volunteer again in baseball, but I got to have my gear. And I gave my gear away. You know, I, I there was another Arts Lake guy, and I was like, hey, you know, here's some up in gear. You need to have the good stuff if you're going to do it. And um, and now I wouldn't fit in that gear, so I had to get a little bit larger gear. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, I appreciate you saying that quite a bit. You know, it, um, uh, uh, I'm glad there was a positive influence on you, Matt, and that um, um, I, I really did enjoy umping. I really did enjoy refereeing. It was, um, it, it was a fun thing to do. I love sports and, uh, you know, just kind of being able to be able to be a part of uh, helping other kids have fun at the sport, you know, and, and when I got to be in high school, junior high, that's kind of how I looked at it, you know, uh, plus, you know, Hey, I could earn a little bit of money. So that was never a bad thing. Yeah. So, yeah. You're I'm out glad, there by uh, yourself. I'm glad you took it games. bigger and better. <laughs> 
Yeah. You're out there working games by yourself and making mistakes and like we all have. And as a kid, I was even like, he's, you know, he's raw, you know, getting all worked up and then I'm working games by myself later on in life. I'm like, okay, I get it. And I just wanted to keep going. So uh, yeah. Anyone who, yeah, who you know, it, it definitely times was like, I can't see it, but I got to make a call. He's out. <laughs> you know, and, and then you're like, yeah, you're going to hear it. You're like, well, you know, it's just me out here. I don't know what to tell yeah. you. Well, well, I just think it goes, it goes again to, to your character. If you're going to do something, give it your best effort. You never know who's watching and who might uh, follow your example. So, uh, so thanks again for that. Jeff, one more time, where can people go to uh, uh, if, if they you know, want to look in, into uh, some physical therapy or get some, oh. some suggestions of, uh, of uh, your services? Sure. You know, the easiest place to do is probably go on online. If you Google the Body Center Physical Therapy or if you want to go to www.bodycenterpt.com, uh, you can find our website there. Um, you know, uh, obviously it'd be an honor and privilege to help anybody in that regard. Um, but you know, Matt, I really appreciate you doing this. I hope we can get together again. Um, uh, you know, I, we can chop it up over uh, some of the uh, current topics here. or We'll talk a bit more about basketball and whatnot, but uh, I, it's been a, a great time with you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I can't wait for part two, man. And, uh, and feel good. So you can do good. I'll that's a great hey, motto. That, there it is. Thank you, hey. sir. All right, Jeff. Take care, man. All right. Be well. Well, I say it often and uh, I, I do mean it each and every time, but I, I could have talked another hour and a half with uh, Mr. Jeff Fairley there. Dr. Jeff Fairley, excuse me. We didn't even get into his uh, his continuing his education and to pursue some other things uh, professionally, uh, current events and topics and things of that nature. He's a busy guy. Had to let him go. Sometimes I go down memory lane and I just want to keep talking and asking questions, but that's why we have the podcast. And Jeff has already told me that, you know, if we want to do a part two very soon, uh, that that uh, we will go ahead and do that. And what I would like is to hear some feedback from the audience out there. If the audience is like, hey, you guys got to keep talking or do another one real soon, then I'll tell Jeff that and we will make it happen. Uh, I know he's a busy guy, but we'll find time. So uh, great conversation with Jeff Fairley talking about so many things. I was so glad we got to finally do it. Um, you know, where he's at now. Uh, you know, wh where he came from, his road to where, where he, he has, he, he is now um, that's, those are lessons. And those are things that are relatable for all of us, uh, no matter uh, what walk of life we are. So uh, one of the great guys of uh, Real Hondo Prep alums out there and uh, you know, just some great stories there with Jeff and I, and I can't wait to talk with him again very soon. We'll have to maybe, maybe USC football season when that gets going, get his opinions there. There's other opinions that I know that I like uh, hearing from him uh, just as, again, current events and things. Uh, he's someone I, I definitely respect and uh, hope to hear more from. So Jeff Fairley, thank you so much for coming on the Get Home Safe podcast. That was truly an, uh, an honor and a blessing. So I will talk to you again very, very soon. Guys, that will wrap up another week of shows here on the podcast. It's only two episodes a week, but hey, uh, we're trying to keep this thing going weekly to stay uh, consistent to have a great guest on here, have some guests on here. We've had already. That's fine too. Just catching up and talking about whatever, talking about life, our journey, what inspires you? How did you get to, uh, how did you end up where you are now? You know, we all have uh, bumps along the way and, and lessons that we can all uh, learn. And, and I'm always just looking to be inspired by people I talk to and to hear about their journey, to hear about the ups and downs and to uh, just catch up with some alumni from Real Hondo Prep to talk to some of my officiating friends. 
again, this podcast is, is, is a blessing and I love doing it and want to continue to do this. So uh, thanks for all the support out there. There's uh, lots of ways to support the podcast. As you're all aware, uh, Get Home Safe Podcast is our Instagram and Facebook page, Get Home Safe Pod on Twitter and Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com if you want to send an email uh, with any topic or, or whatever. So love hearing from you guys. And also there's a voice message link in the bottom of the episode notes there. You can use that. Uh, contact us through social media or YouTube channel. If you're watching this, you already know that, but Get Home Safe Podcast, great way to uh, watch and interact on the podcast as well. So uh, subscribe, rate, review, leave comments. I love the interaction. If we can get that going again, uh, let's do so. But uh, until next week, guys, enjoy your weekend. I'll be back on Tuesday with just me rambling for about 45 minutes or so about my current, uh, my thoughts on current events, uh, the re- sports recap from the weekend, and of course, plenty of just random thoughts that go through my head, sharing them here on the microphone on the podcast. And on Friday, I promise you another great guest with another fun-filled conversation. Hope everyone is doing well. Spring is here. It's a beautiful time of year as we, uh, you know, kind of after, after uh, before it gets too too hot, right after it's kind of too cold for, well, the cold, for us Californians anyway. It's a beautiful time of year. Enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy the nice spring weather. But guys, until next time, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Oh,